Some of you don't know the name, but that's that guy from the Hunger Games. Transformers the last night. Beauty and the Beast and Spotlight. Hello and welcome to another episode of Standing Stanley Tucci. I'm David. And I'm Hannah. And uh, we are big Stan heads. If you're just joining us for the first time, uh, we are going through every single Stanley Tucci credit on IMDb and watching it and telling you about it and how much we love Stanley. <laughs> He's truly uh, the actor of our era. And there's just not quite enough Stanley Tucci love out there that we've encountered. Right. So we are we are being the change we want to see in the world, and we we have created uh, the standing that we that we want. Right. I don't know if I would invoke Gandhi necessarily uh, for what we're doing, but I would. I I would. I think it's really relevant. <laughs> So today we're talking about a CBS crime drama called Wise Guy. Uh, it's It was like one of the first real like serialized soap opera style crime dramas. And it was about a bunch of uh, federal agents infiltrating crime in New York City. Uh, it's yeah. a totally fictional uh, FBI department that doesn't exist. But hey, I mean, whatever, uh, whatever gets you a couple seasons gets you four seasons. Uh, yeah, this show was oddly more compelling than I thought it would be especially for a crime drama from the late 80s. You did bring up a good point, though, when we were talking about this uh, beforehand, where you, you did mention that it was, in fact, the most racist show you've maybe ever seen. Right. I mean, I, it's not... I don't know if it's the most racist show ever, but it's the most racist crime drama I've ever watched, for sure. It's it's a lot. It's going entirely on stereotype, entirely on, you know, the type. Uh, and, I mean, it's like Stanley Tucci even points this out in character in the show, but it's kind of <laughs> undercut by the fact that he is playing an actual evil crime boss. Right, right. So it's almost like the show is saying, look, you should in fact judge people for being wealthy and Italian at the same time. That is, that does make you suspect and worthy of uh, of arrest. <laughs> so so this uh, TV series cameo is, is uh, you know, f- a couple of firsts for Tucci. You know, this is his longest, his, his longest, uh, TV series run. You know, this is much longer than his two episode run on Miami Vice. Yeah, I mean, this is his real, his first recurring role. Yeah. And as a recurring villain. And it's it's happening as the result of this show is weird and different and unique. It was, you know, soap opera style. So it, it, it had arcs, you know, it's like an anime in that way. <laughs> it's, you, you come in for, oh, it's this is the garment, the garment district storyline. Um, right, right. And, and they introduce entirely new characters, specifically for that arc and then they have their own little stories and then that ends and then you move on to the next caper and so that gave an opportunity for you know a character actor like uh like Tucci to really shine and make an impact and and have you know more than one episode to have the spotlight basically Right, right. You know, and this is this is another series that ends poorly for his character. Right. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he, they got to get him in the end. I always get him. <laughs> um, <laughs> they almost didn't. He almost got away this time. Did I? I forget if he uh, died in Miami Vice or not, or if they just arrested. He him. died in Miami Vice in the second yeah, okay. episode that he he appears in. Um, again, we have you know he has a a, a love scene, a love making scene. He does. Ooh. He's got scenes of him brutally murdering people and him being brutally murdered. Uh, we've got scenes of him just in his office confronting a policeman directly, going, "You got nothing." on me 
Uh, you got you got nothing. Uh, what is his name? Mc Mc McFly? No, that's not his name. <laughs> McGreedy or something like that. McCreary. McCre- McPike. Pike. <laughs> the old. He's the patty. All right, but McPike is uh, played by our this week's. Dun, 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 dun. Whomst we also, the one, the only, Jonathan Banks. Whomst we also stan, absolutely. Um, we we, we also love him stand. in Breaking Bad. We love him in Better Call Saul. And we love him in NBC's Community, his, uh, yeah. one of his only comedic roles. And you wouldn't think of him as a real comedic actor, especially watching this show where he is completely dead face, deadpan the whole time. I'm gonna get you, Penzolo. Um... And that's his whole character. And you can really picture him as, like, the cop who would eventually retire and become uh, uh, Professor Hickey in NBC's community. Yeah. Oh, 100%. The guy who's always threatening to punch people in the heart. Ugh, yeah. It's it's great. He makes an incredible straight man uh, in in comedy. Um, and then I think, you know, just the fact that if, if you take a character like this, who, you know, is amped up to 11 on just, like, cop stereotypes and put him in any other setting, it's it's automatically hilarious, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So so yeah. Shout out to to Jonathan Banks who who plays sort of the uh, behind the desk captain who's sort of orchestrating the uh, organized crime bureau. Right. And, and that's his role in all of this. Yeah. And and I mean like I think it's pretty amazing that Tucci does stand out even amongst like a really interesting and like fleshed out cast. Oh yeah. Uh, just in our guest cast for this just this cycle. I mean you know Jonathan Banks is in the whole show, but just for this cycle yes. we have Jerry Lewis. Yeah. Uh, as the the patriarch of this Jewish uh, Jewish garment family, you know, garment business family, selling yeah. selling fabrics and dresses, and uh, you know, he gets embroiled in this whole this whole mob scene on Seventh Avenue in New York. Uh, and it's I mean, he just he's too focused on business, right? And I mean, Jerry Lewis. Say what you will about him, but I mean, he gives a phenomenal performance in this uh, in this show um, as just the 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 dad that everyone hopes not to have. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, like can't can't even take three seconds to say good job. I'm glad you're alive, son. After he's scared, his son dies in a bombing. Right. And so, yeah, so his character's name is uh, Eli Sternberg, so, you know, Jewy Jewerson. And then his son is uh, equally as Jewy Jewerson, David Sternberg. David! And he's played by uh, the incomparable Ron Silver. Yeah. Who uh, you may know from The West Wing. He is a recurring role in The West Wing. Uh, he's also uh, in the pilot for Heat Vision and Jack as himself, um, which is, which is kind of cool. I don't think I remembered that one. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, the, the usual guy who, who plays like the, the undercover cop, uh, play, he plays Terra Nova. He actually got injured on set. And so they had to boot him out in the second episode of the, of the arc. He also gets injured on set later and like breaks his neck. Oh my uh, God. Like much late, like a season later or something. He did not have a lot of luck on this show and it's no wonder he quit. Yeah. And, and the show was canceled soon after. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, he's replaced just for these four episodes with, uh, Anthony Dennison as uh, uh, Detective John Henry Raglan. Yeah. And you may recognize Anthony Dennison, Hannah. Can you can you remember where he's from? No, but I know he's from something. We watched it for this show. We watched it? 
Is it, uh, is it Kojak? No, not Kojak. Uh, Monkey Shines. Is he a Monkey Shines? Is he the guy in Monkey Shines? No, he is not. Fuck, who is he? He is in Crime Story. He's the crime boss of that show, Ray Luca. Oh! <laughs> it all comes around, eh, Tucci? So, you've literally got the crime boss from a show that Stanley Tucci was on coming on to play an undercover uh, you know, undercover cop to take down him as the crime boss. So how the tables have turned. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's moving up a rung in the uh, the movie ladder. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I think we, we've kind of slightly alluded to the plot, but let's sort of dive right in. How how does this sh- this series begin, this, this cycle? Oh my god. It basically begins with, like, the Star Wars opening crawl, where it's like, <laughs> the Garment District! <laughs> You know, like, to the prequels, where it's just a lot of really not that interesting business about, we've got production deadlines to meet and we can't do it. Ah, dad, I don't know. Like, we're gonna do it. Ah. And it's just very Jewish over the top. Well, it's a lot of establishing the world and, you know, because they got to establish this whole setting. But yeah, it's it's Jerry Lewis is talking to his son being like, (laughs) okay, our our shipments, they've been going missing, you know, and like, they've been delayed and they're stuck on boats and like nothing's moving and we can't get our trucks and and we've got this order to meet. So then they go to this guy named uh, J- Jimmy Coke Bottles, yeah. which is such a great uh, stereotypical Jewish shyster Shylock name. Um, and, he, and he's got, you know, Coke bottle glasses and uh, he's got a taser. <laughs> and a baseball bat. And a baseball bat. And it works! <laughs> and uh, and so they go to him for the money, and he's like, I can't give you the money. And so then uh, Eli's like, all right, I'm going to go. I know you you think he's a bad guy, but I worked with his father for many years r- renting his trucks. I'm going to go to this guy for money. And Ron Silver, David Sternberg, is like, no, you can't go to him. He's in the mob. He's dirty. I've known him for years. Daddy's bad news. We don't need him. But then they go, and he gets the money from him. And oh no, now he's in with the mob. And the mob, the mob is trying to take over the whole 7th Avenue garment garment district. It's he's gonna take over the whole thing. And so David Sternberg, he's he's at the end of his rope. He has nothing he can do. He's at a loss. And that's when he thinks, I'm gonna go to the cops and I'm gonna get a man on the inside. And so he he goes and I, I don't know, they have a wiretapped room with like a lawyer or something. But they get him and they say, Alright, we're sending in Terra Nova. You're in. And then uh and then he comes into work as a what, what is he what is his job? It's like a security specialist, quote Right, a security specialist. You know, the guy you hire to go and make sure things go smoothly. He works with the mob. He gets dirty. You hire an ex-con for this kind of job. Right, right. And at first, you know, the dad, Eli, is like, what are you doing? This is the nonsense. Get him out of here. Blah. And he's like, I, make a muscle. You can't even do anything. Blah. And he's like, you want to be helpful? You get my stuff off that boat. So, you know, he does because he's working with the federal government. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, no, that's not how he does it, though. He does it by going to to Pinzolo, played by the incomparable Stanley Tucci. Well, Pinzolo pays him a visit. He finds right. out. He, so he right. So first he goes to Jimmy Coke Bottles and he says, "All right, Jimmy Coke Bottles, you're gonna give me that money so that they uh, so that they can get the boats out of the place." And then Jimmy Coke Bottles is like, "You come to me without asking my boss Pinzolo first? And then he jabs him with a taser and starts beating him, and then he gets injured, which is good because the actor 
doctor was already injured. <laughs> so, so that's how. But it's really, it's really like the saddest scene, though. This like dumpy little dude just like tasing and smacking this guy with a bat once, and he's like, "Ah, no, I'm out of commission." Okay, well, no, you you tried getting tased. Tasing is no laughing matter. Tasing okay. is not. Tasing is not fun. I know. I'm I'm not saying, but it sounds like you're saying he's he went down like a bitch, but I don't think. I don't think he. I, I don't am think he saying went down. he went down he went like down a bitch, like but the reason I'm saying that is because if that was like today, like 2020 crime show, he wouldn't have gone down. He'd have punched. He'd have, he'd have given him a one hit. Oh well, see that would just be unrealistic. Ah. You know, this show gets the realism really right and the racism. Mwah. Um. <laughs> so much. Well, I mean, I guess in some ways it's like not like the worst thing because it's mostly the cops who are being racist, which which fits. It fits. Yeah, but it's also just everyone. Like the Jews are like racist to each other. <laughs> and like they're racist to the Italians. Right, right. But I mean, like I, like wealthy like Manhattan Jews, I mean, they can also be a little bit, you know, a little bit on the racist side. I know, they're racist. Yes, <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying everyone is racist. Right. I'm just saying like the racism it's like there's a realism to it on some level where everyone is just calling each other by like slurs constantly yeah. and uh and everyone's just assuming like oh yeah he's the jew and he's the italian like that's what they're that's what they're gonna do they're gonna be in the mob whatever <laughs> Um, anyway, so he, he, he's, he's walking around on crutches for the rest of the episode because he got tased and beaten with a baseball bat. And that's when Stanley Tucci makes a house call and he gives him a pager. Yes, this is how crime was done. It's very, like, season one The Wire, you know? <laughs> right, well... <laughs> Uh, so then basically he says, all right, you work for, you work for this Sternberg guy. That means actually you work for me. Cause I could, I would, everyone in this district actually works for me. And then being an undercover cop, he of course says, yes. All right. Thank you very much, sir. I'll do whatever you want. All right. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to let these, I'm going to let the, uh, the, the dresses get off the boat now. And now he can make his delivery or whatever. No, no, he didn't want the dresses to get off the boat. He lit the, the federal agent, um, Terranova. Nova, he he gets it off because of his like connections and like pay they so they can pay the money back to to Tucci's character oh. and then he's mad about that and he's like you don't do anything without me without running it by me first okay and he's like oh sorry I thought I was doing you a favor yeah. you know but really he's playing both sides right. he's figuring you'd get your money back should, should we talk about the the Tucci performance you know how does this compare to like um uh who is what was it uh frank mosca the yeah. other crime boss from miami vice how does this compare uh in terms of the performance i'd say they're similar you know right i mean they're definitely still both tucci they have that kind of intellectual sort of flamboyantness the the metrosexual kind of undertones those are all still there well and also tucci is just very good at at playing uh sort of understated characters you know like he doesn't need to do sort of big gesticulations or large like facial reactions to things like he can just with like the twitch of an eyebrow you're like oh I know what this guy's about 
you know, like he he can. Commute. But he's fun. Oh yeah, you, like, you sympathize with him almost immediately. You're like, this guy couldn't hurt a fly. I love him. Well, because he has an ease. He's I think he's got an ease on camera, and he's got an ease within. Like he inhabits the character. You know, right. it's like you believe that we did just kind of walk in on this guy going about his day being a crime boss. Like right. yeah, now I'm going over here and I'm juicing my carrots, or all right, I'm shuffling some papers and uh, leaning on my desk casually. Like right. he's got a, a very easy physicality to him. Yeah, and and I mean, like, keep in mind that this is his what, like, fifth uh, uh, role in a mafia in a, as a mobster, um, and he's sick of it by this point. You know he is. Oh, I'm sure. But he, you know, he's a pro. He's not going to let that slip. You know, so he was in, in Pritzi's honor. He was a, a he was in the mob crime story. He was in the mob uh, Kojak. I don't think he is, but. Uh, who's that girl? He's a doc worker. M- and then Miami Vice mob. Monkey shines. He's a doctor. <laughs> he's a doctor. So that's th- that's good. Equalizer, not in the mob, but he's a criminal uh, <laughs> assemblyman running for well, right. criminal office. And in Monkey shines, he's a slimy doctor who who steals the girlfriend. You know, that's so he's true. Sti- he's still very generally a villain. The only right. non-villain has been his Slaves of New York uh, cameo. Well, no, no. Also, uh, also the street where he's a cop, but. Uh, uh, That's you, true. I guess you could argue that, that the cops are really the villains of that show. <laughs> There's nothing happening in that show. It's just <laughs> people sitting in a basement being recorded on a VHS. <laughs> Right, but yeah. Like, that's it. So he's not the villain of that show. But, uh, you know, now we're at Wise Guy. You know, he's been doing this now for, you know, just a few years. And he's he's gotten, like, five or six mobster roles. He's 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 a traitor to his to his ethnicity, to, to all of his, his parents and all of his fellow Italians. But he's, he's getting work. He's getting work. And he's making a fucking meal out of it. <laughs> Uh, speaking of meals, <laughs> one of the defining features of this particular mob boss is that he uh, he doesn't eat lunch. Yeah, he he like juices things. He just loves his juicer, and they keep showing it in like every episode. He's got an electric juicer because Hannah, you must understand, this is a metaphor. This is high level oh. symbolic storytelling. He's yeah. putting the squeeze on his underlings and on the other businesses. Oh. He's putting the squeeze on him so it's a power move when he's going around and like he's got clients in there he's got he's got you know jerry lewis in there and he puts a bunch of vegetables and a little thing goes and then takes a cup and just starts drinking it yeah Uh, and uh and it's in like many many shots this juicer so many it's it's the very if you're watching our video podcast you can see it uh behind david the beautiful (laughs) juicer in question Um, but I think it's a great, like, character choice. I mean, it's not his choice, I'm guessing. I'm I'm guessing it was in the script. Yeah. Because somebody went and got a juicer. (laughs) Yeah. You don't usually do that because the actor says they want it, but... I mean, he feels right at home making that juice. I'll bet he, I'll bet he does juice. Totally. I bet he likes the juice. Uh, the tooch, the tooch loves to juice, I would bet. I bet the tooch loves the juice. <laughs> yeah, so this, this sort of uh, series, this little arc of Wise Guy is is very much a family drama because, right. you know, at first we think it's just Stanley Tucci who's trying to drive the business into the ground but then we find out that uh, David's cousin what's her name? Rose Hannah. Le- <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> it's me! I've been the, the evil villain the whole time! 
Right, it's me, I'm, I'm David, and this is my cousin Hannah. Yeah. And she's trying to take out my business from the inside. I'm not mad at you though, David, I'm mad at your father. He stole it from my father. No, but his his cousin, who's like also weirdly attracted to him, is yeah. Carol Goldman, played by Patricia Charbonneau. They're and, like uh, second cousins or something, but it's still weird. I don't think they are second cousins, I think. No, because I think their dads are also cousins. They're first cousins? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, the point being, uh, she is like clearly very interested in Ron Silver's uh, David Sternberg. And, uh... I mean, he's also very clearly interested in her, too. Right, it's reciprocal, in fact. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's... I guess that's a stereotype about Jews as well? I don't I don't know. They all marry their cousins? No, thank you. <laughs> no offense, but no thank you. Terrible. <laughs> uh, the, the show... The show continues, they're introducing all these characters, but the real drama is between Jerry Lewis and Ron Silver. That is true. Because Jerry Lewis is this, you know, overly critical business-owning father who is also, like, he was a bad dad in childhood because he, like, you know, divorced uh, his mom as soon as he made it rich and married some shiksa. Uh, ah. <laughs> ain't, ain't that like a Jew? And, uh... <laughs> this is... This another one though that we could definitely classify into like ah new york right. you know like it's just it's so new york manhattan manhattan jewish families the old the old guard of people who grew up and they started out with just just a very small business and then grew it into something huge they made it in the big city he made it out of flatbush and now he's out in <laughs> scarsdale the true <laughs> success story <laughs> Uh, meanwhile there's now like million dollar wafts being made in flatbush but what can you do um <laughs> right but the, the but then you know like in the second episode it's like david sternberg's like out in some other country making like a deal or something yeah. and then he goes like radio silent and then there's like a bombing near his hotel and then it's like in his hotel but right and then and then j j Jerry Lewis is like, oh my god, he could be dead. He could be dead. And I never got to tell him that I loved him and that I thought he was a great businessman. And I was only hard on him because he wanted him to be better than me at the job. And then he gets back and he's like, wait, so you closed the deal at uh, 75 cents on the dollar? This, this is terrible. I thought I told you, don't go higher than 70. Never go higher than 70. So he, he has not really changed. You should have stayed there. Meanwhile, he's like, oh, don't worry, Dad. I got out of there before the bomb went off because I already closed the deal. So it's fine. And, you know, his dad's just like, no, you should go back. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um. And it's 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 also very interesting because the the series tries to tackle sort of some of the labor issues around this, you know, like right. the the sweatshops and whatnot. Um, and so we get a lot of like yelling about communism in the middle of it. Right. It's it's really it's really like hilariously like on the nose and not subtle because it's like by this point they brought in Anthony Dennison as 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 Raglan to come be the replacement. Yeah. And his whole story is that he's got a wife and kid at home where, you know, Terra Nova, he's like a lone wolf kind of guy, plays it on the edge. And this guy's like, you know, I'm just trying to make it back to my kid. You know, I'm not invested in this. Right, and he, he's back in for one more job. You know, like his last field assignment was bad. Right, his last job went 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 down wrong and a bunch of people got killed because of him because he got... Uh, and the guys got away. And the guys got away. And, and so he's got like trauma because of this. Anyway, the whole point is he like goes in to 
queue because he's the security guy. So he's there to literally like break up and like break the picket line and, right. you know, up, uh, destabilize the destabilize the strike. Um, and so he goes and immediately seduces the female leader of the strike. Uh, <laughs> it's really awkward. It's terrible. It's very awkward. It's very strange. There's like this bizarre erotic like shaving scene that happens before they have sex. Right, yeah. I don't understand why it exists. Because I guess she she grew up in, I think she grew up in Beijing and she learned to shave people there. (laughs) I guess I don't know. I don't know. Fucking weird. Um, she she's played by uh she played she's played by Joan Chen, who you might know from uh, from Twin Peaks. She was in that at some point, and then uh, she was also in that movie, The Last Emperor. Uh, so you know she's she was like I don't know, like kind of a name, but but just sort of brought in to be the conquest of this philandering cop on the edge. <laughs> well, and also to you know <laughs> make him him you know he's the good guy. Right? right so he sympathizes with these poor workers <laughs> who are being exploited Right. But, you know, you're not going to change anything by, like, picketing. <laughs> and, like, they talk about the whole triangle shirtwaist factory. Like, there weren't, like, massive strikes and riots <laughs> after that. You know, that... Do they mention the... Do they mention that by name, that specific? Yes! Yeah, they talk about the triangle shirtwaist, like, disaster when they're talking about sweatshops. Because I know they were talking about... Because there was other fires. Like, literally, Pinzola was having people go around setting fires in like other places around uh to try and make it so that you know he could only have dresses made at this place uh in chinatown right Uh, right and and to sort of just like mess with other competition and whatnot right uh but it turns out that just like no they they do talk about the triangle shirtwaist uh fire disaster which killed like a hundred 170 people something like that right uh 170 workers and like Honestly, is what we owe a ton of modern um, factory reform to right. is that disaster in 1911. Um, but you know, they're all like, "Oh, it was so great that that happened in the past." Right. But these these crazy radicals, like who who just want something for free? What you you just think yelling about it's gonna do something? There's systems you gotta work with the system, kid. Right, you gotta negotiate. You gotta come to the table. But then, meanwhile. <laughs> Meanwhile, this cop, at the end of all this, commits an extrajudicial murder. So, like, whatever, man, you know? Right, but I think it was uh, it wasn't it wasn't him who murders the other guy in the strike, right? It was one of Pinzolo's other guys kills him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm not. He definitely does commit an extrajudicial murder later, but in between, there's uh, somebody kills one of the members of the strike, and that's how the strike ends because it spooks her. It's her roommate. It spooks her roommate. Right. So you know, it's like yeah, you don't kill the leader of the of the strike because that makes a martyr. You kill one of the lowers, and then that makes the leader scared, and then they and then they quit. And that's actually probably real strategy for <laughs> yeah. mobs, uh, businesses, cops, lots of people. You never kill the leader. I mean, leaders make martyrs, fellas. Remember that. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so then, uh, what you call it? So, you know, there's like a strange scene where she goes back to the workers who are all like, thank you for testifying and, and I know that reform will happen soon. You, you worked hard. Thank you. You know, and they all give her like pity claps and she's like, <laughs> I did do the right thing. Thank you. You know, and it's, it's just such, uh, you know, American government propaganda. Yeah, we're just, we're just... We're just running a uh, a sweatshop. A sweatshop. It's just an American sweatshop. Jesus Christ, are you really gonna complain about that? Right. But they get the dresses out on time. Everything seems to be going well. But then, as it turns out, dun dun dun. They had they in the the factory where they made the initial fabrics. They purposefully didn't apply the flame retardant. So the dresses are now flame protardant. They're flame <laughs> right. tardant. Incredibly flammable. <laughs> They're tardant as heck uh, to yeah. the point where like just putting the dress on like a normal rack will cause it to explode and kill you. <laughs> Was was that what happened? I thought someone. I, it's it was. I mean, like it. That's what it looked like in the shot. Like it just ignited yeah. by putting it on <laughs> on a what do you call it? A dummy. Yeah, mannequin. <laughs> well, I call them dummies. All right. It's the more pejorative <laughs> word for mannequin. Yeah. So then we find out what the big master scheme is. Is that uh, the the cousin character whose <laughs> name is, is it Elaine? Is it really I, Elaine? I, it's not Elaine. I told you it it's already. It's Elaine. Carol. Goldman. Carol! Oh, God. Played by Patricia Charbonneau. Carol Goldman. Uh, Carol, you know, his the first female uh, partner at her Wall Street firm, and what she's gonna do is some... She's a she's a Wall Street Jew. She's a Wall Street Jewish American princess. You know, she's nobody. She's, she's gonna do some... She may thinks that she's somebody. She's absolutely nobody. And uh, She and thinks she's... she's gonna do some insider training to, to get some revenge for her father, who used to run the business, but it turns out Eli's e- Eli stole it from him. Except right. actually, the dad like gave it to him a million years ago, and so there's really no conflict. Right? They're they're trying to like make this as tragic as possible. So yeah. they're 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 putting on all these layers of misunderstanding and like tr- it's just all drama within the family that's causing all of this, and it could be resolved by just you know Eli and David reconnecting or. You know, Eli being honest with David about what he wants from the business. Or, like, Carol's dad, Uncle Phil. He could just, like, talk to her, too. Right. Uncle Phil. Yeah, like, communication could have solved all these problems. So, what ends up happening is, yes, Carol shorts the stock on her, uh, her, you know, cousin's business. No, it's on, uh, it's on the business they're contracted with. Oh, yeah, right. She, yes, she shorts a business, but ultimately her goal is to put, uh, you know, put Eli's business out of business. Yes, yes. And, and cover him in so many lawsuits from these exploding dresses, um, that he, that he goes out of business. But Ron Silver will be protected, and he can make a new business with all the money that they made from this shorting the stock. Right. Right, you know, because his name isn't on the business, because his dad's too selfish to put him on to put him on it. Right, but then you know, of course, David Sternberg, he's such a loyal son. You know, this is his like Shakespearean flaws that he's a loyal son. So he's like, 
I'm not gonna let this happen. I'm gonna go to Pinzola myself and I'm going to stop him from doing this. I didn't want your money, Carol. I don't care about that. I just care about my father. And so he goes, <laughs> he goes with a gun by himself, which just goes to show how like Raglan is the worst undercover cop ever because the guy he's working with directly. Oh, truly. Like is taking a gun and just going to kill this guy. And he has no idea. <laughs> no clue. But also like Raglan, or not Raglan, uh, Pinzolo's security team is truly the worst. Like this is not the first time. Well, they, they just let him up to, to go to a meeting that, you know, it's, like, I guess they just didn't check him for a gun or he was hiding it in his shoe or something. Like, you just ruined this man's business. You don't check him for a gun? Like, who, what mob are you running? <laughs> well, no, I think they thought that he was in on it in, on some level because Carol... What? Had, I don't think so. Well, because Carol had already told him about the plan and Carol was sleeping with uh, Pinzolo. Yes. Uh, because he's damn sexy and he needs contractually a love scene and everything that he stars I mean... In. Thank you, thank you, movie gods. We just need more of the tooch. I mean, he probably has the most sex scenes for the amount of hair he has of any New York actor working in the 80s. Really? You don't think there are hairier men in the 80s? Possibly with the exception of Michael Chiklis. Yeah. <laughs> who was also in the show in a different, in a different season. Uh, yeah, there anyway. are a lot of very famous people who who had uh, arcs on this show. Yeah, but so yeah, so uh, you know, David comes in and he's like, "All right, tomorrow morning we're going to the bank, and you're gonna you're gonna get some money out, and you're gonna give it to me, and my it's gonna save my dad's business." And he's like, "Okay, okay." <laughs> and then they go to the bank, and he you know distracts him for a quick second. He brings a gun into a bank like a total putz. I know he's. Such a fucking uh, he is he is really a, a mashugan. Yeah, they're all, everyone is very dumb in this entire situation. It's a lot of mashuganas. So you know, Tucci's like, ah, hey, he's got a gun, and so of <laughs> course the the cops in the bank are like, ah, he's got a gun, and then they shoot David, and he dies, and it's very sad. Because he and his dad had finally made up and they were going to be friends and, and build something together. We were going to be friends. I actually did kind of like tear up at the funeral thing. It was like, I was kind of moved. The, uh, you know, it's it's all the family together and his mom shows up and like, you know, his mom and dad had been divorced for a really long time and she's like, oh boy, oh boy. And, uh, you know, Carol's supposed to go there too and... You know she's she's a wreck because she caused this death uh, indirectly. It's it's really it's really rough. It is. And that's when we find out because Carol talks to Uncle Phil and like finds out. Oh yeah, I never wanted the business anyway, so I let you build all this resentment for your 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 cousin over these years. And I should have just told you. Ugh, it was all a misunderstanding. Wah wah wah. Right. So then for the last. Uh, uh, well well okay so when when actually uh, David Sternberg brings the gun into the bank and gets shot by the security guards. Um, that's when uh, when Raglan punches him in the face. <laughs> yeah. Like, really hard. And you can see him, like, bleeding, and his, his like, face is like, oh. And, uh, and so he goes to the hospital and gets his jaw wired shut. And he's got to do the whole rest of the show with his jaw wired shut. And, of course, what does the doctor say? It's like, uh, no, no solid foods. You got to be on a liquid diet. And it's like, ah! He's got the juicer! <laughs> He's already on a liquid diet. It's perfect. <laughs> right. Except uh, in a different scene, 
<laughs> I think it was it was David, right, who who comes in and when he's got the gun and he smashes the juicer, right? Yes. Was it him or was it was it Eli? Uh, I think it, it might be Eli. Well, in any case, somebody comes in and just smashes the juicer to pieces uh, <laughs> while threatening him with a gun. Yeah, because <laughs> very much like father, like son, after, <laughs> you know, a day <laughs> of being free and finding out that, uh, you know, Tucci's Pinzolo is planning on fleeing the country, Eli also gets a gun, David's dad, and comes over and just tries to shoot him again also. Right. And then the cops have to show up and be like, he's not worth it. Right. Don't do it, man. And then in a different scene, Carol goes to him and tries to, like, get him to confess to uh, to the crimes yeah. so that she can go to the police and, uh, and turn herself in and, and, you know, go and witness protection. Uh, you know, so, and then she gets killed because... Because he catches her. Right, he catches her. Well, he catches her and then he smothers her with a, a pillow because they were, you know, also making love at the same time. So very much, you know, don't go in one-on-one -on -one to try and screw over the, uh, the the crime boss. You should probably have backup, maybe a cop or two or three. Just, like, let anyone know where you're going. Because after right. she gets killed, they're trying desperately to find her because she's kind of their whole case at this point. Right. And so it turns out that, oh, she's dead. And David tried to leave evidence of a crime that he had witnessed Pinzolo commit back when they were in college where he killed a, a drug dealer and, you know, there's no evidence. Just a letter from a dead guy saying, yeah. this guy's a murderer, he murdered people, he, he got me killed, he, you know, and then later he's gonna murder my cousin and then he's gonna try and murder everybody. Right, but... <sighs> It's, it's not really real evidence. Right. Uh, so, looks like Tooch is getting away scot-free. But, dun-dun-dun, John Raglan can't let that happen. Not again. Not on his watch. And so he confronts him as he's about to get on the plane and go. And he pulls a gun on him. And then we get Jonathan Banks coming back and going, Don't do this! Don't do this! You're a good cop! Also, he's a cop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just thought I should let you know, Stanley Tucci. He's also a cop, so he wants to kill you because he's a cop. Yeah, and then he's like, you're a cop. That means that the other guy's a cop. So now I'm going to have someone kill both of y'alls. <laughs> yeah, like... It seems like, you know, in that situation, if I'm a crime boss, yeah, on the one hand, I want to have leverage against these undercover cops who are trying to get me, but you never want to be the guy alone without witnesses with two cops and you have information that could get their friends killed by mob bosses. You never want to be in that situation. In fact, maybe, you know, uh, Pinzolo's like uh, fatal flaw, his Shakespearean flaw is that he has too much faith in the legal system. You know, yeah. he's like, look, yeah, I killed people, but I've done what I'm supposed to do. I disposed of the evidence. I, you know, I contracted people through legal means to do all of these crimes. Uh, I'm squeaky clean. I'm squeaky clean. I'm going to leave the country, you know, whatever. I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. Uh, so, you know, you can't arrest me, but little does he know that, like, cops can just shoot you and then say they thought you had a gun. Yeah, which is literally what they do here. It's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't know if it's framed necessarily as a good thing. I think there's a little bit of ambiguity to it. Yeah, 
yeah. But it's mostly seen as, like, a necessary evil. Yeah, but we're supposed to, you know, but it, it's these kinds of, it's this sort of rhetorical trick that cop shows often play on their viewers, you know, where it's like, listen, if the cop shot him and made up a reason why, he probably had a good reason why he had to make up some other reason, because he was a bad guy. Maybe for not the reason he said, but, you know, all these other things that we just can't prove, but they're true. Right. Well, I'm just saying, like, clearly, like, they're framing it as, like, he only did this, Raglan only shot the guy because he was traumatized from this other thing, and because, you know, he blamed the guy for, you know, killing, uh, uh, for killing Carol, who I think he had a crush on or something. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was this whole twisted, like, psychopathic cop thing, and it's framed as, like, you know, you, you, you're going to go behind, you're going to retire now, you can't keep doing this because uh, you're not fit for this job. Right, but then he just retires retires happily to Mexico and, like, that's kind of the end of that, you know? So, like, that's the thing. Is like, I don't know to what extent it's framing it as, like, this was a thing that we had to do that, that was necessary in order to catch the evil criminal who would have gone on to kill tons of people, uh, so it was necessary. And other cops. Or was it saying, look, cops are dirty. They're, they're so they're so dirty, and they're completely willing to just shoot a guy, uh, shoot a guy for no reason, uh, because they suspect him of something. Yeah, they do capture another dirty cop earlier in uh earlier in the show's run it's true. who was tampering with things in the harbor <laughs> the harbor tampering cop <laughs> yep classic <laughs> oh god some other like great like moments in this show was like the moment where they're interrogating jimmy coke bottles remember him from episode one and he's like you know if i tell you anything Pinzolo's gonna kill gonna kill me oh god yeah and you know if i if i don't tell you anything he's probably still gonna kill me uh so he's like all right so i guess you gotta just tell us anyway then and so then he just sits on a windowsill and just backflips out and kills himself it's so badass yeah but then it's great because uh the undercover cop is like yeah that was me i took care of him <laughs> <laughs> so pinzola's like hey you're legit all right i can trust this guy i also love the fact that the the first episode begins on the first night of sukkot <laughs> the jewish holiday sukkot what a random ass jewish holiday very well researched it was a beautiful sukkah no, i think i think that's great I've, i i'm guessing that there was some jewish writers in the writers Probably. room i mean the, a lot all of the dialogue to me feels very authentic if a little overblown you know yeah it's like that you know it's like how when you're watching like goodfellas or something like yeah the dialogue feels overly italian but it's not inaccurately italian it's just they've written it so that every single sentence that these people say is completely italian and it's the same way for this show both with its italians and with its uh jews right it's like every sentence that they say is the most jewish it could possibly be but it's not inauthentically jewish <laughs> yeah so that's that's wise guy i would say a great sort of capstone of tucci's mobster appearances would would you agree i i definitely the pinnacle so far but i'm yeah. i'm willing to be shocked and surprised by future mobsters if there are any i'm really hoping we're starting to wind down on the on the mobster <laughs> side of things. Well, I, I do believe that we're about to get into, you know, some of uh, Tucci's roles that he's a little more proud of. Yeah. Um, you know, in just a in just a little bit we're going to start getting to things like Beethoven, The Pelican Brief, uh but but we've got a few uh, a few more TV shows in between there and a couple of uh, you know, movies. So 
lot, lots of interesting stuff, stuff that you might not have heard of coming up. Um, what uh, do you do? You got any Tucci news for us this week? Anything new? It's Tucci news coming at you live from cloudy, snowy New York City. Um, yeah, no, there's not a lot of Tucci news this week. Um, there was the huge Marvel uh, What If TV series announcement um, with tons of people from the Marvel Cinematic Universe returning, uh, including Stanley Tucci as Dr. Abraham Erskine. They're bringing him back as the Captain America doctor. That's great. They're bringing him back. So we will we will see the Tooch. In in animated form. Yeah, in, in the MCU. It will be great. Uh, other than that, he was included in a Vogue roundup of, uh, you know, eight great celebrities who went viral in 2020. Uh, and, of course, for his Negroni stunt, which we have already mentioned numerous times. <laughs> it's been talked about to death at this point. I mean, yeah. it's one of the memes of 2020. So maybe we'll stop referencing it in January. But uh, January, no more Negronis. <laughs> we loved it, but that's not when we started loving Stanley Tucci. I no, mean, it was long. Before. That's not why we started this show. Absolutely not. It's because we love him as a performer. That's absolutely true. Uh, is there a a Tucci fun fact? I have one, David, that that I'd like to share. I don't have one. Go ahead. Uh, all right. So Tucci uh, is actually, or was, excuse me, was. The co-owner of a restaurant, David, in Croton Falls, New York, the Finch Tavern. Right, which sadly no longer exists. No. Uh, he no longer owns it. He's no longer part owner. Uh, and it's not even still called the Finch. So No. It's a sad state of affairs. But he once tried his hand at the restaurateur business. Um, and I'm sure that he contributed a lot to what went on that menu. You know, I can only imagine. I'm so sure. Maybe something from his two cookbooks. Exactly! He's a man with two cookbooks. Of course he owned a restaurant. You know, there's there's continues to be buzz about his performance in Supernova uh, for the upcoming award season. So we shall continue to keep you updated on any and all. I've absolutely been tuning in with with, and waiting with bated breath at that nomination, uh, you know, stream or whatever it is. Right. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us for another Standing Stanley Tucci. Uh, you can find us to... <laughs> you can find us and more episodes uh, at Talking Tropes on Twitter or wherever podcasts are found. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube. Um, please like, comment, subscribe where wherever you see us. We, we really appreciate any kind of feedback we hear from you uh it means a lot and if you yourself are a tucci stan and have a particular piece of tucci media that you would love to gush about with the world please get in contact with us because we'd love to have you on yeah if you didn't notice this one you know we're not going perfectly in order we're trying to stick as much to chronological as possible but we're willing to jump around for you know yeah. for, a, for a guest star like you because you're special yeah you are who's listening to this right now um all right all right stay stanley tucci Stay Stanley. Bye. Another name, but that's that guy from the Hunger Games. Transformers, the last night. Beauty and the Beast and Spotlight. Writer and director of Big. I bet the Tooch loves the juice. Oh God, yeah.